listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Good days. Welcome to the Good Days Podcast with Eddie and Charlie. Um, Charlie, you you are a regular um, pastor, preacher, speaker at Cypress Church in Columbus, and you recently preached there. Do a little intro to this message because this is going to be our podcast for this week. So uh, years ago, I had a chance to uh, jump in six years ago. and On the teaching team, basically. On the teaching team. It was during the summer, and Pastor Ken Murphy asked me to come out. And I've known Ken. Forever. Yes. And uh, good days. I mean, good friend. Going back to my sophomore year in college when, when he was in high school up in Wisconsin, and I was traveling for a summer ministry team. Mm. And uh, Ken was an athlete. Yes, he was Division One athlete. Oh, great pitcher. And it, it was one of those things where we'd spend all these hot afternoons up in Wisconsin either throwing a football, a baseball, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I mean, we've always been connected. And so I I filled in, and it just was a good connection. Good fit. A lot of friends there. Got a lot of history with people at Cyprus. Our dear friend Dave Kajawa was there. Yes, and yes. Rick Rutker. And the list yes. goes on of really good friends. And so... Uh, so you've been a regular part of their teaching team now for about five, six years. Just over five years. Five years. Going on year six. And, and it was one of those things like, why don't you come back? And next thing you know, it's like, you know, why don't you be a teaching pastor? Yeah, that's awesome. And so this summer, I was in a series called God Encounters and Unique Encounters with God. And and my message that weekend was on the road to Emmaus. Oh, good. good. And so uh, um, that's what this is about. That's the setup for this message. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Doc, really quick. Uh, I always, in the back of my mind, think about this Albert Einstein quote. And people that have had me in class know this. But, uh, you know, the quote is, if you can't take the most profound and say it in a simple way, you really have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus did that so clearly. Mm -hmm. Took profound concepts and, and made them... Simple. That's what I love about teaching in, in the local churches is it's a, an opportunity to take some really cool concepts and just talk to people. Yeah. And they enjoy that. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of different speakers and communicators. But uh, um, well, the idea too, yeah, the, just, the, the road to Emmaus with Jesus walking on the road with these two men, uh, that's what that is. It's taking very complex ideas, theology, if you mm -hmm. will. And having a conversation with two bros. Yes, and it was uh, it was a great time that weekend. And so we just thought, as we're digging through some of our podcasts and what we're doing in between our seasons, and we'll go ahead and give yep. you a little. This is the end of season two. This message yes. that we're going to have today. Can we give them a little bit of a, a a teaser? A teaser. Season three kicks off next week. Yeah, yeah. Season three, and uh, we're going to talk about ministry from these three aspects: the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you know what? Sometimes we just need to talk about 
those things. They're hard things to talk about. The ugly. Uh, the the ugly. failures. Yeah, the failures, the ugly, the elephants in the room, those things mm-hmm. that we'd want to forget, but sometimes it's good to sit in that and to ask the question, where is Jesus in the midst of all of this? So next week we kick off a brand season brand three, new bro. Season. It's, season three, let's go. Do you ever think like a couple years ago it'd be season three? <laughs> I thought we'd just do one. <laughs> <laughs> thank Folks, you for listening. If yes. anybody's listening out there, <laughs> thank you all for being so cool. And enjoy this incredible sermon by Charlie, The Road to Emmaus. Boom. And boom. So I come to you today and I'm on what's called like one of the, those like spiritual highs. I've, I've been at four youth camps this summer already. I've got one more to go and I've been seeing some amazing things happening all over the country. Actually on Monday, I'll be in Iowa at a youth camp. And when I think about what God has been doing, even just two weeks ago, I was in New York, um, the second week in July. And so I saw 700 students come to this camp, 52 students made first-time commitments, 400 and some rededicated their lives, over 80 students felt like God was calling them specifically to something, and God is moving in amazing ways all over the world. You've heard the stories about what God has done in this church when this youth ministry went to NTS camp in June, and I had a chance to have like a week off during that camp and I had a chance to go over just for a little bits of time and see what was happening with the students from Cyprus. And I just want to let you know something that, that is just not happening here in the U.S. I'm getting reports from my friends all over the world how God is doing amazing things in a generation of people that really want to know the truth. And I want to say to you, I want to bring some good news. The church is alive and well. Number two, and people, especially this younger generation, that, that the news is saying and all the, the narrative out there is they don't care. They care. Yeah. And they want and they hunger and they thirst to know the truth. And they're looking for it and they're finding it in Jesus Christ. That is an incredible report. I just want to let you know what I've been seeing. I had a chance to hang out with Pastor Ken this week and just kind of like download and actually unload on him a little bit of what I've been seeing. And at the same time, with this amazing like experience that I keep on having at these camps, um, I had this great idea. Like I was going to do some work around the outside of the barn, and there's this stuff that that grows up this time of year. That it, what it does is it grows from the earth, and then it looks for you, and then when it, you walk by, it grabs your ankles and your arms. All right. Some people, it's a poison ivy. I mean, back in the day, I didn't even care. Now it's like. Just the other day, I, um, that's why I'm wearing a jacket because I look like I'm a leper on this side of my arm. It's, I know it's the middle of July. It's like, why is he wearing a jacket? Because I, I'm riddled with poison ivy on my arm and my, my shins. And it's like, what in the world? I had uh, some good advice, however. One of our worship pastors who happens to be um, at the London campus right now told me about his grandpa's remedy, which is what I heard as well. Um, this was Grandpa Lyle Crutz who gave this remedy. It's like what you need to do is when you get really bad poison ivy, you grab dandelions and you rub on. And it's like, okay. Another person said, and my father, it's like just pour straight gasoline on it. I mean, 
And then, and then was the great advice from both of them. You know what you need to do? Tie a rope to your legs and, and then to the bumper of a car. Then have that car drag you down a stone road. And then you'll forget about the poison ivy. It's like, okay, super cool. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. So as we dig into the summertime, uh, um, I've been excited about this weekend, knowing about the series. And in conversations again with Pastor Ken, we're talking about these amazing God encounters. And there's one story that really, you know, we kind of gloss over a little bit. Because it's good, it's there, it's, I mean, it's a part of, you know, what we read in Scripture. But until you really, really dig into it, you really begin to see what God is doing to transform people's hearts and minds when it comes to how they actually live their faith. Now, I'm drawing a ton of information from this random guy named John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom lived in the late 300s, going into 400 AD. He was the Archbishop of Constantinople. I mean, this guy wrote a ton. In fact, he was a part of a lot of the early church fathers thinking about how do we understand Jesus. And so as we dig into it, by reading a lot of him and, and, and studying him in the past, doing other you know, studies on scripture, there's some things that, that I came to see that actually until the last few months really digging into this, I just haven't paid attention to. So what I like to do is dig into scripture in three sections and talk about what's happening here on a very classic story. You'll see the first chunk of scripture right here. We see it in Luke 24. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And we're going to leave the scripture on you for just a moment. What things, he asked. Now, obviously, this right here, it's like, as we know, scripture, we dig into it, is after the crucifixion of Jesus. And this is right, right past the moment of his resurrection. So Jesus appears to a group of people who should know him. When we think about who these people are, this guy right here with the unique, weird name, all right, that guy, if you dig into scripture and, and we kind of like, who is that? It's a group of disciples. A lot of people would say, well, that actually, that actually is the guy that was Jesus' Jesus's mom, Mary. That's her brother-in-law. That would make basically him the uncle to Jesus. And all of a sudden, with all these other disciples been spending all of this time with him, they did not recognize him. So you go back to this walking along, downcast. And the first thing they do is like, what's your problem? I mean, don't you understand what's going on? Have you not heard? Now, as we dig into this, there's a couple things I want to bring out here that I see in scripture. Over and over and over, number one, Jesus constantly opened himself up that people might know him. This has been going on for years. For years, there has been this constant relationship with disciples who are not talking about Jesus in the past context. They're not reading about him from years, years ago. They're actually living, walking with Jesus in the physical presence. 
Now, one of the things that you and I understand to be true within Scripture is that Jesus actually physically walked on the planet Earth. He was crucified physically, and he rose from the dead physically. These aren't like stories and ideas and thoughts that some of my people say, no, this is actual events. And so for three years, these people should know him. Shouldn't they recognize Jesus? Shouldn't they understand his voice? Just his mannerisms? I've noticed this in my own life. And as I'm working through this process with so many students, there's this weird thing that happens with us. Now, I started out by talking about the spiritual high. All right. And a bunch of the students at Cyprus will know this because we talk to them about this. But what happens within every human who's ever existed on the planet Earth, and I'm getting this information from a dear friend of mine named Dr. Betty Jane Frasky. Because I would go to her when I was younger in college and say, I don't know if I can do this thing anymore. I mean, it seems like I've been walking with Jesus for a long time and I don't recognize him. I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm in this, this intense moment, maybe of, of some type of pain. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe I just have gotten lost along my way. And I thought I knew him, and now I don't even recognize his voice. And there's something going on with me. And she would talk to me about, listen, Charlie, I think what's happening in you is this. And I think this is going on with the disciples. That as a human being, every one of us, and it doesn't matter how old you are, will constantly be on this journey where your emotions and your feelings and life is up and down. It's inconsistent. That's just the way it is. And somewhere along the line, I thought that if I just simply accepted Jesus Christ, if I simply just got saved, all of this would end. I would no longer be all over the map. I even remember as a, a kid going to these camps and having these spiritual experiences and them telling me that you need to stop being up and down and on the roller coaster and stop messing around and get serious with Jesus. I thought, well, I'll grow out of it, right? I mean, I'll grow out of that, right? Boys do grow up and become men, maybe. That was a joke, JK, LOL, just whatever, no issues. I mean, we're, we're a mess. Dr. Frask would say that never changes. It doesn't matter how old you get. There will be ups and downs. There's nothing you can do about it. And then she's like, you have to understand that your relationship with Jesus is not linked and connected to your emotional mess. Life that rips and shreds. See, that's what I would do. I think I see that with the disciples. I think there's this connection that when life is all over the map, then like Jesus is all over the map. And when things are not going great, well, then Jesus is not there. He's absent. When things are going amazing, well, he's right in the middle of it and we can praise him. And so therefore I lived my life so inconsistently. And there'll be moments where I'm walking down the road, just like these guys. So it's really hard for me to like really blame them and be mad at them because I've done the exact same thing. Walking along and I don't recognize him. I don't hear his voice. What Dr. Frasky said to me over and over is like, you've got to separate this, this life that will never change 
And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're a human. And separate your relationship and who you are in Christ because he is consistent when you are not. He is consistent when you are not. And actually, when things are down here, it's when his power is strongest in you. It's when you need him the most. Sounds elementary, except the older I get, it is so true. And everybody who can hear my voice right now knows exactly what I'm saying because you've had these moments. And what is so weird is it doesn't matter what's going on in you spiritually. You can have the greatest moment of your life. You can be feeling so great. That's how I was feeling just not too long ago, just a few days ago. I finished, you know, all the message, sent it in for the notes. Felt really good. You know what I'm going to do? It was early morning. I'm going to go get me some Starbucks. All right. I'm going to go into town and I'm going to drive in and where the Starbucks is in my town where I live. You know, they've got this weird spot where there's an Aldi right across the street from it. And it's in one of those side little zones. And you got one lane going this way, one lane going that way. And right in the middle is a turn lane. And the thing is, it's a turn lane for both places. So I get over in the turn lane. Now I'm feeling good. Man, the Lord's been moving. Prayer equals change. I got the shirt on. Right? Thank God I wasn't wearing Cypress Church shirt. Because I get in that turn lane and all of a sudden I'm head to head with a car. You know what I do? Go on. I'm feeling so good. I'm so godly. I'm feeling so on it. Go ahead. Car turns in. Another car comes right next to it. You know what? That's all right. I just sent in my message notes. I just saw a bunch of kids except Jesus Christ. I'm on that spiritual high. Kind of wave them through, right? And as they turn in, I start to turn. And in this lane, there is a Ford 250 Lifted, big tires, no condemnation. I've got a truck, super cool, all right. But all of a sudden, it swerves to go left. And as it's swerving, the guy's driving, look at me like I'm the biggest idiot. And the passenger in the side is looking at me like, what's your problem? You know, like, you know, just like in my grill. And I, uh, in, my, uh, in my business, is, how do I translate in my grill? In my face. I've been at youth camp for a long time. <laughs> Forgive me. And next thing you know, I go from this, I'm so godly. I'm so, you know, just that great place. It's like, you know, I'm driving in. It's like, and I'm in my head. It's like, what an idiot. You know, and, and I'm, man, now I'm like, go to my park. I'm just mad. And then all of a sudden, that's where conviction comes in. And it's like, why am I yelling at, the only person in the car is Jesus. Why am I yelling at him? I mean, what, what? Does it take that little? And literally, this is what came to me as I finished this and I'd sent it off that morning. It's like, does it take that little just to drop me off the, the spiritual high? Oh, sometimes it does. Who's consistent in it all? He is. You know, as I dig into the scripture, I notice some things that are taking place here that... When we emotionally and physically disconnect from the presence and the power of Jesus, we fail. Emotionally and physically, mentally, 
I can do it better. I have a better idea. I know what's best. I can figure this out. I can manage it. I can handle it. And we disconnect from his presence and his power every time I failed. You know, we'll dig into a little bit more of this. This is the second part I'm going to show you here. Now, this is after Jesus has been addressed, right? They look at him. It's like, are you the only person who doesn't know what's going on? What an idiot. Kind of that was the vibe. What's your problem? Here he goes. He said to them, all right, how classic is Jesus? I kind of wonder the tone of voice. I kind of wonder. I, I, I've, I've thought about this multiple times. If it was like my father, it's like, how foolish are you? You know, it's like, okay. All right, if it's a friend of mine, it's like, bro, what's your problem? How foolish are you? I kind of think it was more like that vibe. It's like, how foolish are you? Now, slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. See, he knows that they know. He knows that they know what the prophets have said. He knows that they understand all the stuff that's happened and what leads to what's going to happen. I put myself in this. Is like, how many times has Jesus said this to me? It's like, what's your problem? Man, are you so slow to believe that all that I've shown you, all that I've done for you, all the past, all the history, what I've taken you from? Whoa, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. He explained to them what's in the scriptures concerning himself. This is where Chrysostom comes to play here. So I'm digging into this and it's like, what is happening here that over and over and over in scripture, you see Jesus explaining to people. You see him explaining. And I dig it and I go back and it's like, how many other times did Jesus open the scriptures, open their eyes, explain things to him? Over and over, you see this repetitive way that Jesus is helping people see and understand for their culture, it's not much different than ours. It was a long time ago, but still it's very similar. As a human being, Jesus was radically different than most teachers. He was radically different than most people that were considered religious. Jesus wasn't constantly telling people what to do. All right? Kind of what I kind of grew up in a little bit, where this is what you need to do. You know what you need to do? Charlie, you need to get your act together. Charlie, you need to get off the roller coaster. You need to make it stick. What is what you need to do? Jesus is showing them something very different. He's like, come follow me. Let me show you. Let me show you. So instead of pointing to people, telling them where they should go and what they should do, he invited them to follow him as he led, as he did it. How radical is this? in the context of every rabbi that we know of at that time. Very radical. That I want you to follow me, and I'm going to do this, and I want you to do it with me. I, I want to show you. He opened their minds. In fact, Chrysostom would say this. Right here, this section of Scripture, which it seems like it's not that big a deal, actually is a major transition in the history and the story of Jesus. That right here, what we see is this. Jesus literally transitioning people, and if you could say it, weaning them off the bottle, all right, 
weaning them off to saying, hey, we're going to be consistent as long as Jesus is with us in the physical. We're going to be, we're, we're going to follow you as long as we, you're right there with us. All right, that we can see you physically. What Chrysostom says here is, it's the chance where Jesus now is taking to show them, you've got to trust my word. You have to understand my way and you have to own it for yourself because I'm going to leave you physically, but I will never leave you spiritually. And he's pointing to the Holy Spirit who's yet to come. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right here we see, and I never saw it before. After all these years of studying and being a pastor and preaching, I've never understood this until this month. That maybe right here on this road, you see the beginning of Jesus saying, okay, now I've come this far with you. I'm going to keep going with you, but you have to own it. You have to mature now. And now he's pushing them out of the nest. He's saying, now go. I'm going to provide power for you. But literally what I see him saying here, what I see Jesus doing here in this section of scripture is in a harsh term, it's time to grow up. It's time to own this. And you need to own it. I know it seems like I'm pulling a lot out of that little spot. But when you dig deep into it and you see what he had been doing over and over and over and how many other times the scripture he leads to this, finally, he's no, he understands. He's ahead of them. He's headed out physically, but he's not leaving them spiritually. And what I see in scripture right here is Jesus knowing history knowing prophecy, them knowing history, knowing prophecy, them knowing all the things that have been accomplished. He is transferring his power into the people to do the things in his name. This is amazing. He says, it's your time. You've been seeing it with me. You've done it with me. Now I'm going to empower you to go do this. And I think he's saying the same thing for us today, right now. Listen, you don't have to go through this all messed up and you can be consistent because I am the power and the strength in you. If you trust me, if you lean on me, if you seek me, that song that we just got done singing, he will never fail. He will never fail. He will never fail. I looked to him. I was looking for him. He was there. He answered me. It's his power in us that enable us, you and I, to walk in power and freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. In spite of this, we see this in scripture, the last part. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. Doesn't this sound familiar? It was just a few days before this that it was the Last Supper. Gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he left them, disappeared from their sight. And then it goes on. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scriptures to us? I want to bring one point out here really quick before I land the plane on this. And here it is. All right. We want to know the will of God before, before we commit to him. Okay, can I, can I make it personal? I wanted to know the will of God. 
I, I have to know what he's up to. I have to know where he's leading. I got to know the end of the story before I say I'm fully committed. Yes, it's like back in the day I was lost and I was in desperate need. And so I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. But did I really commit my life to him? In fact, I'm going to say it like this. It's another slide. It's just really easy here. A commitment means very little when it's based only in convenience. Okay. Yeah. Yep, convenient. I needed a savior. I was wrong. I, I was lost. Man, it was so convenient to ask him into my heart and feel freedom and get rid of that sin and that guilt. But what was next? Now he's calling me to this deeper level of commitment that is the exact opposite of convenient. It's commitment. And that costs. It means that I'm going to have to trust in him even though I don't see what's next. And I don't even understand why what's happening in the moment is happening. These disciples were in the midst of complete and total despair. We thought he was going to be with us and lead us to the promised land and take care of everything. And our life was good. And in the middle of this great season with Jesus, all of a sudden, after this crucifixion, he's dead, he's gone, he's no longer with us. What now? What now? Have you ever felt like that? You made a commitment. It's like, what now, God? Where are you are? I mean, God, I, I just don't sense you. I don't see you. I, I don't feel your presence. I'm even in church and the band is really good and the music's great. And I, 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 I hear the story and I, I like the preacher. I just don't sense you. I don't know where you're at. It doesn't seem like you're talking to me. That means that you're a normal human being. It means like you are just a part of everyone else who's in this journey and he is leading even though there's times where you don't sense or hear him. He is there and he will never leave you nor forsake you. His word will not return void. Right. And you can trust the fact that he's there even though you're not with it. It's not happening in you, it's, it's this road you're walking and all of a sudden you're talking to him and you recognize, oh, he was there all the time. It's not easy being a Christian, is it? Wouldn't it be great if we just came and said, this is the easiest thing ever, just sign up, do it, do this, two, you know, classes and then you're good. But everybody in this room, everybody that hears my voice in all of our campuses, no, that's not true. It just is not the way it is. It means that on this road, that our commitment has to be based in the truth and the power of who he is, not on how it always works out for us. Does he always answer our prayer the way we want him to answer it? I don't think so. Because that's not happened in my life. But has he always been faithful? Yes. Yeah. I just wish he would listen to me more. 
Oof. What a mistake that would be. You know, there's a couple things I would just say to you about all of this. This, sec- this little piece right here, there's a big difference between being religious and being transformed. For a long time, I really was good at being religious. Anybody else? Yeah. Being transformed is when you recognize he is the power and you completely trust him even though you don't always understand. I know it sounds so simple. That was really easy to write, really easy to put in the notes, not easy to live. And then all of a sudden there's this turn. There's this turn that's taking place with Jesus on this road because they have to go back. If you go to the rest of the story, they have to go back. They have to rush back home and say, hey, he's alive. We saw him. We talked to him. It's true what they're saying. And then there is this journey that started right then and there that actually is being lived out right this very moment that you and I are talking, listening, hanging out in this church together right this very second it's happening that we have to be in this constant understanding that our life is meant to be lived for the sake of someone else who might know him as well that our salvation our connection with Jesus isn't just this private thing that we have for ourselves it has to be lived with others who might know him as well who might be changed. And a word that came to me from another preacher that I heard a while back is what I want to bring to you. And this is what he said. Very, very simple here. You'll see it right on the screen. Don't look at a person based only on where they are. Consider where they're coming from. There's people all around us, including ourselves, that are on this journey. And I know that we like to look at exactly where we are in this very moment. But see where God has brought you. Looking back can be dangerous if that's all you do. But also can do this. It can show you how far that he's brought you. And even more, that he is faithful and desires to lead you beyond where you are. So as you look at your own life, see where God has brought you. See where you've come from? I've been with people. It's like, you know what? They should know better. They should have this way down. I mean, they should be at a deeper level. And then you realize where they've come from. And it's like, wow, they're doing amazing. They're doing incredible. And I would say the same thing to you. Maybe you doubt yourself. Maybe you look down at yourself. Maybe you actually are just disgusted with yourself. Can I even say that word? Where has he brought you? Where has he brought you from? And I believe he desires to take you further because you and I are not committing to a religion. We have committed to a relationship with the living God. Father, in your name, in your name I ask this. I ask that you would transform our hearts and our minds. And that you would 
open our eyes to see you, to know you, to understand you. And Father, God, I pray that we'll walk with you as you lead by your presence in this place in our lives right now through the Holy Spirit. And help us to trust you in your name. We would like to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Western University for allowing us to use their podcast studio and their facilities. I also want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Once again, thank you for listening to a couple of old guys talking about ministry principles. We have over 70 years of ministry experience, and we'll see you next week.